Welcome to Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston, the editor-at-large at Freight Waves. We call this podcast Drilling Deep because not only do we drill deep into an issue of the day with our guest interview, but we also talk about oil since it's the lifeblood of the trucking industry and you have to drill for oil, so we're drilling deep. We also have our guest of the week. That's this week, it's Brian Thompson of SMC3. They are a firm that services all aspects of the trucking industry, but it is particularly known for its work in the LTL field. Uh, SMC3 is kicking off a new round of their training for LTL employees, and he addresses the question, what exactly do you teach prospective or existing LTL employees about the business, whether they're just getting started or whether they need additional training? But first, wow, what a week in oil and diesel. Where do we begin? Let's try to do some numbers without overwhelming you, but the fact is the numbers are overwhelming. Here are some of them. On Wednesday, the price of the ultra-low sulfur diesel contract on the CME Commodity Exchange rose more than 34 cents. It has never done that in the history of the contract. It hadn't even had a 30-cent gain ever in its history. Wednesday was the first one. The day before, it was up 13.7 cents cents per gallon. A day earlier, it was more than 16. This is a truly astounding run of increases. The highest price the CME contract traded, traded on Thursday before it fell back was 384 a gallon that was a day after a settlement of just under 350 was just was the highest one since 2008 we know why russia invaded ukraine and while russian oil exports aren't sanctioned per se they face a whole heap of issues whole, whole heap of issues right now companies companies and countries are trying very hard not to do business with russia it's become an international pariah it's also the world's second biggest oil producer and that's a problem so let's concede that the Russians are limited in being able to capture some of the gains in oil prices that they themselves caused. The best estimates are that about 2 million barrels per day of Russian oil exports are stranded, meaning they can't find a buyer at any price. Well, let's also note that Russian oil exports before the invasion were anywhere from 6 million to 7 million barrels per day. So there are only about 2 million barrels per day that can't find homes. That's good news and it's bad news. The bad news is that Russia is still able to secure higher prices for 4 million barrels or more per day uh, for their exports, and the price is higher because of their own barbarism. The good news is that they're still missing out on some of the increase in prices. But the bad news that the market is reacting to is that there is not just 2 million barrels a day of oil laying around that could easily substitute for the lost supplies from Russia. Maybe you can operate on the theory that the 60 million barrels per day released last week, or released this week, or at least announced this week released out of the strategic stocks by Western nations, is 30 days of lost Russian exports. That's not that bad, but it is just 30 days worth. We can look to OPEC for more oil, but there isn't a lot of spare capacity there either. Estimates are that spare capacity in OPEC might be around 2.3 million barrels per day. That would take care of the lost 2 million barrels per day of Russian, ex Russian exports, but you would have to assume that virtually all that spare capacity can be brought online and nothing else goes down for mechanical problems. That is a very big if. There's another potential source of new oil, or should we say old oil coming back, that would be Iran. Negotiations over easing Iranian sanctions on the nuclear issue are ongoing, and most of the news out of those talks suggests they are coming to a resolution that would allow more oil to flow. Iran's oil minister recently was quoted as saying that Iranian oil exports, not production, but exports, could reach their maximum capacity just two months after a nuclear deal is reached. Iran could bring its output up to 3.8 million barrels per day from 2.4 million barrels per day now. 
It wasn't entirely clear what the minister meant when he said Iran could be at, at its export capacity. The assumption is they can't produce at those higher levels right away, but what they can do is export oil that they've got held in storage, some of it floating. But what precisely the Iranians believe is their export capacity is unclear. Regardless, that would be more oil onto the market. If you take some more, op some more OPEC output, some more Iranian supplies, and more Iranian supplies are OPEC, 30 days worth of Russian exports replacement coming from strategic stocks, then it is possible to build a model that says, yes, if lost Russian exports are 2 million barrels per day, maybe the world can replace it for a while. But that's a model that has almost no room for error. That's one of the reasons why the price is screaming higher. And nothing is screaming more than diesel. Russia is a major exporter of diesel to the world, and the loss of supply from there will be painful. It already is. If we compare the commodity price of diesel on the CME Commodity Exchange to the price of Brent crude oil, that's the world's benchmark, what has happened in the last week is pretty amazing. A barrel of diesel on Wednesday was almost $34 more than a barrel of crude. A week earlier, that number was about $21. A year ago, it was $13. Diesel users are taking this one on the chin more than any other part of the petroleum complex because of the important role of Russia in the diesel market. If there's any comforting news, it's that it takes retail prices a while to catch up. It doesn't take wholesale prices anytime they move right away. As of Thursday, the spread between retail and wholesale prices was less than 50 cents. In other words, retail prices were just about 50 cents more than wholesale prices. That number was a dollar just a few days ago. Retail prices clearly have a long way to go to catch up. The other comforting news is that adjusted for inflation, we're still a long way from an all-time high. We're still a long way from an all-time high on an outright basis, too. Your trucks were almost certainly more fuel efficient than they were back in 2008 when we did have that all-time high. With routing software, it may be able to stop you from wasting a lot of unnecessary miles. But whatever you're paying at the pump, you're not likely to think that there is anything comforting right now. We're going to move on now on Drilling Deep to our guest of the week. I get a lot of ideas for our guests from various press releases and emails that I receive. A lot of times what the PR representative is seeking isn't necessarily newsy. So as in, we're not going to write a story about it for Freightways, but it's interesting nonetheless. Recently, I received a note from the representative of SMC3. SMC3 is a large provider of data and other information to the LTL industry. I knew I had Brian Thompson on from SM3 here not long ago. At least I thought it was not long ago. This tells you how time really flies. I looked it up and it was been two years. So we're going to be glad to, have, to welcome him back. So Brian, welcome back to Drilling Deep. Thank you, John. Glad to be here with you. So Brian is the chief commercial officer of SMC3. And what caught my eye in the release that I got from their company was that they were announcing a curriculum for people trying to learn the LTL business. A truck may look like a truck, but the management of one, if it's an LTL vehicle versus a truckload one, is enormous. It's a huge difference. So the idea that there would be a whole curriculum over LTL management struck me as making a lot of sense. So Brian, you're a student of the LTL curriculum. What are you trying to teach them? <laughs> we are trying to teach them all about LTL, a little bit more than just how to spell it. So, um, you know, our curriculum covers the basics. Uh, it starts with the basics, the basics of LTL industry, and then it covers additional topics. It's actually a five-course program. It goes from the basics um, to talking about operations, uh, how, does, how do things move across the dock, how do you engage with a carrier, 
um, try to give that that rounded perspective. And then it moves on. Our third course is on carrier pricing and costing. So better understand things like the NMFC, what are all the different components of an LTL pricing program? What are some of the considerations from the carrier's perspective when it comes to costing freight? So really, again, trying to give that uh, that overarching perspective from uh, many different players in the industry. And oh, then- Let's get into the specifics. As you mentioned, it's a five-part course, but let's talk in general. You know, training is so important, and every company will tell you that training dollars, training expenditures usually pay off. Who's hiring you to do this, and how do they take the course? Uh, Absolutely right. So, um, you know, it's available now on demand. Um, We have uh, significant interest from from third-party logistics companies. They've got so many employees from their operations teams that work in back office functions to um, inside salespeople and outside salespeople and franchise owners. So just, uh, you know, the wide the wide gamut of interest there, certainly logistics companies, a lot of shippers as well. Um, shippers will have um, team members move in and out across modes, and they may or may not have had exposure to LTL. There's strong interest there. We're also uh, getting strong interest from the carrier side. You know, um, when you look at, uh, even if you think about a carrier, everyone that works for a carrier should already know everything about LTL, but everybody got their start somewhere. And with the tight labor market we have right now, they're bringing people in from outside of the industry and they still have that need to train them up. So our program basically teaches the basics of LTL. And then we try to cover all those bases and then we let the individual companies, a carrier or a logistics company, teach about, you know, then they can focus on on their culture, on their processes and procedures individually. But we give them a head start. Do you think that LTL recruitment efforts are more difficult because this is a complex business? I think everybody would agree it, it is more complex than truckload. Uh, the, the irony I was thinking as I was preparing this was that it's kind of easier to hire LTL drivers and truckload because the LTL drivers tend to be home, you know, if not every night, almost every night. But is it harder to fill back office slots in LTL just as a result of the complexity of this business? Um, I don't know that it's harder to hire uh, because of it, because I don't know that um, most applicants know what they're getting into until they set foot on the job and they say, uh, you know, what is an FAK? Um, and, you know, and, and so... They're there to learn the you know the ins and outs of that of that job, um, which I would say though uh, often I think the ramp up time to when you're independent, self sufficient as a new employee in this in the LTL industry, if it's new to you, is, is quite is is longer. So anything we can do to shorten that that ramp up period um, is beneficial to the employee and beneficial to the employer as well. So. So yeah, the note that you sent me had dates on the the five individual sessions. Uh, what do those dates represent? Okay, so um, our program is self paced uh, learning, one hundred percent online, um, available uh, to anybody who who wants to take any course at any given point in time. But we have uh, in the last couple of years coupled that with some additional um, opportunities to do kind of hybrid learning. Uh, which basically is while you're taking your self-paced online course, um, there's a four-week program for each class um, that covers the span of the year if you take all five classes. Um, And we bring on guest speakers and we cover 
you know, uh, topics uh, that might be important to that to that course. Um, just give you an idea. Fundamentals of LTL, which is the one that's going on right now. That's our 201 course. Um, you know, the first session was uh, hear from some industry uh, executives. How did they get to where they are? What did they, you know, what did they learn? What did they need? What lessons did they learn as they were uh, getting familiar with the industry? How best to learn about the industry in other ways, even beyond the course? Um, so that kind of feedback uh, we found is in high demand and and invaluable for you know students and um, not just limiting it to the course material that's in the class, but trying to supplement it with these other discussions. Okay. Now let's, let's go to LTL 201. Not sure why I didn't call it LTL 101, but anyway, 201. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe 101 has a, has a negative connotation, like, oh, uh, you know, you're, you're really a rookie. Anyway, the fundamentals of LTL, I am not going to ask you to give me the whole course now, but what do you think of somebody who took that course, that particular session would walk away with? Uh, sure. Right. So they would under, walk away with kind of that high level, basic understanding of LTL, they would understand some of the complexities of it. Um, they would understand um, some of the different, you know, equipment types that are used, um, and uh, just, you know, what are some of the considerations um, when planning LTL? It really kind of sets the foundation for the other courses that are going to come. It touches on the other topics from operations to costing and pricing and analytics, but it, it doesn't go, you know, as to near as deep a level. So. Um, it really kind of just sets the foundation for the other the other coursework. All right, and how many hours is that course? I mean, somebody sits down and says, "Okay, for, for, never mind the, the guest speakers that you've got in this current session that are going on." Somebody sits down and says, "All right, I'm going to do se session one, LTL two hundred one." How many hours are we talking about commitment? Uh, right. So it's about each course. There are five courses. Each one is approximately eight hours of uh, of content. So pretty, you, pretty thorough. So Pretty thorough, pretty thorough, thorough enough to give you a, a great understanding. I mean, it is a lot of material, but um, we try to keep it uh, on point and at a level where, um, you know, everyone's attention span only goes so far and everyone is working this. Um, you're usually working this education in around your other duties and tasks of your main job. So we wanted to make sure that it was digestible. And we had that um, that concern in mind as well when we developed the course. I mean, to show you how complex it is, so that's LTL 201. You said it takes about eight hours. And LTL 202 was LTL operations from dock to stock, focuses on the flow of freight from warehouse to rack and everything in between, which is pretty intriguing that you don't even talk about that in the first one. That's how much there is to talk about in the basics. So what, what kind of things would you talk about in 202? I kind of laid it out here, but you know, maybe you can expand on that. Sure. Um, in 202, you're, you're going you're gonna to learn things like... Um, you know, different network setups. So what's the difference between, uh, you know, a, a long haul carrier versus a regional carrier? Um, what are some of the different um, equipment types? What kind of steps does a carrier have to go through to uh, to get a pickup order, um, get it on the dock, move it across the dock, um, decisions they have to make when they're loading the outbound trailers? Um, how, do you, how do they make sure that it's going the right direction in an efficient manner too? It's not just about getting it there. It's you know, it's about being efficient and, um, uh, you know, really understanding all of that from the carrier side, but even, even beyond that. So a shipper and a 3PL also needs to know about things like, well, how do I engage the carrier? How do I schedule a pickup? What are some of the technologies I could use to, you know, start that process? 
um, with some of the documentation that that follows a shipment um, through, you know, from a bill of lading to, uh, you know, a delivery receipt and, and those kind of things. So really kind of give them some some additional details so that uh, so that they have that understanding as well, which, again, we try to keep all of the information, um, you know, try to give them a rounded understanding of all different sides, even if it they don't necessarily see it in their daily job, but it helps um, give them appreciation for the folks that they're relating with on the other side of the phone or the computer um, when they're, you know, when they're having uh, discussions with their partner. So, you know, in, in pre-med students will tell you that the course that always kills them is organic chemistry. Uh, not that I was ever pre-med, but even in college, I knew about the, the, the organic chemistry being such a, I mean, such a career destroyer. And when I look at LTL 203, LTL carrier pricing and costing, I can't help but think that that's the organic chemistry of LTL training because pricing in the LTL businesses can, can be very complex, can be very hard to understand. And the difference between success and failure in this business, I would think, is getting it right, being able to price correctly. And if you price incorrectly, you're not going to be sticking around too long. So is that is that the course that really, I hate to say matters the most because you got five parts here. But it just seems to me that that would be the one that would be that provide the most challenges. It, it is one of the most uh, it is probably our highest demand course that we have. And because to your point, the complexity of it, it's like a different language. Right. And you take a different language and then you throw on top of that math. And not everybody, you know, kind of if you don't live in that world, you know, you've got to think about it. Wait a minute. So if I have an 80 percent discount today. And my discount changes 1%. That's not a 1% change in price. That's a 5% change in price, right? So um, it's just, you know, I mean, that's that's just a different way to, to think about it. But we definitely try to, you know, we do go through some, in this course, some basic mathematical principles, um, make sure they understand um, what the levers are, what the components are that change price. How does changing your, an FAK structure potentially change your price? How does it change in a base rate, change your price? Or at least how can you figure out if one of those factors changes, you know, how is that going to impact your business and your budget? Um, that's tremendously important. So we give the basics of the, you know, the terminology, the different components, and then also the uh, some of the, the algorithms and logic for how to, you know, how to be, how to educate yourself on pricing and costing and making sure, right? I mean, knowledge is power. And if you don't know how LTL pricing is done, and that's any even a tangential part of your job, you know you're really kind of at a disadvantage. So um, that's a like I said, our highest demand course. And let's note that FAK stands for freight all kinds, correct? Correct. Okay. And uh, LTL two hundred four UL uh, LTL transportation laws and regulations. What do you think are some of the most important laws or regulations that affect LTL that maybe people aren't aware of? Um, absolutely. Um, liability, uh, and, and cargo claims and how do you go about a claim and, and, um, what should I expect from a carrier? I mean, that is something that, you know, LTL carriers definitely, um, have rules, uh, that limit their liability, um, exposure. And it's very important for somebody that's new to LTL to understand how that works and understand, um, you know, the intricacies of that. Um, but there are a lot of other important contractual uh, terms and conditions that they should be aware of as well. Um, uh, I already mentioned kind of you know, cargo claims, cargo claims process. What can you expect? What are your rights? Um, that's important. 
but also simple things like, you know, that typically are in contracts like, you know, payment terms and um, valuation of, of goods and, and that kind of thing. So um, again, it's, uh, you know, that is probably, uh, let's, let's be honest, rule laws and regulations tends to be a little bit drier of a topic than pricing and costing, but, um, but equally important nonetheless. And then wrapping it up, LTL Business Analytics, which is you describe as a capstone course. So that you know, capstone usually involves some independent studies, some independent research. How does that work? What, what are you looking for out of a student that, that is taking this? Yeah, so uh, that is um, our capstone course. It, uh, it does a deep dive into some of the analytics. Uh, the, the students uh, will go through some exercises like um, really uh, calculating the impact of some uh, price changes, um, how to conduct a bid, um, understanding if a carrier, um, you know, changed your, changed your FAK structure in your discount program. How do you then take that and calculate the true impact um, to each of your individual locations or uh, your, your different class of shipments? Um, so really, uh, that's more of a hands-on, you know, that's less content and more exercises um, is really the focus there, as you described it. It's not they don't walk away and do their own do their own study, but um, we have um, a series of modules that will walk them through some exercises, so that when they walk away, you know the the important thing is that these are exercises that they can apply to their job today, right? So, hey, my carrier just walked in and and gave me a new pricing proposal. I need to know how that compares with my existing providers and proposals, um, and and that kind of that kind of work. I mean, that is real world activity, um, and uh, and again, that's our, you know, that's also a highly recommended and, and requested course as well, um, just for that experience. Get the experience in a practice environment versus the real world when your job's on the line. Let's go back to the carrier pricing course and you can educate me because anytime I've sat in on a uh, earnings call with an LTL company, uh, the concept that always, I won't say it throws me, but it sounds so vague and yet it can be, it's got to be very specific is the concept of mix. Companies say, well, you know, we we didn't our, our our metrics weren't as good because we had bad mix or we had great mix. How would you at, at SMC three define mix? <laughs> um, okay, so I think it's very important if somebody says uh, mix, it's due to the mix of freight um, that you ask them um, that exact question because it can mean different things to different people. So typically, you know, one way that it's used often is mix of small versus large accounts, right? Corporate versus local, whatever the carrier terminology is. So an infrequent shipper to a large retailer that um, ships frequently and probably has a very attractive price. So mix could mean uh, could mean just that. You know, we get, we've gotten a lot more of these um, uh, shipments from our large strategic customers that have lower average prices than our, you know, local accounts. But it could also mean and this is where I give you no answer to your question in a way, right? It could also mean, um, uh, well, it's we're getting a lot of uh, a lot of low class freight. It could mix could be length of haul, mix could be uh, density of shipments, it could be average weight per shipment, um, it could be regional. Um, like I said, it's a very to say that it's it's mix. You really need additional clarification on exactly um, what that that mix is uh, that they're referring to. Right, which you're not going to get in an earnings call. And the other thing that keeps coming up in some LTL earnings call is the fear of truckload spilling over into the LTL market. And that one always kind of confused me because 
it's not like it came in with a truckload rate. It would, it would have to be priced uh, on an LTL basis. So if the freight came in from what normally have been carrying truckload, why is this necessarily a bad thing? Because it's always portrayed as something really bad. Right, right. And in my experience, um, when I was managing pricing for an LTL carrier, um, it's it's not that it's not because, you know, it, uh, it's hard to describe, but as long as it's priced right, it's not a problem. The problem is sometimes that freight on the edge, the freight that's at the, the, the um, they, when you price an, L, uh, an LTL customer, um, if it's not done right, uh, if it's averaged too much, if you're focused on, L, you know, usually you'll get, when you're pricing new freight for an LTL shipper, you'll get a data file. And that data file will only have LTL average weight shipments in it. So it'll have maybe an average, uh, you know, they're, they normally do three pallets and 1,500 pounds. And that's what you base your pricing on. If you don't put gates in to protect yourself from getting 10, 15, 20,000 pound shipments at the same rate you're pricing a 15,000, uh, 30 PCF shipment, then you're going to potentially not be getting the revenue you need to get on that shipment. So um, it's just really it's it's kind of more that unknown if a carrier has 10, you know, hundreds or thousands, tens of thousands of pricing agreements out there with shippers. Um, it's easy to have some that have been, you know, priced 10, 15, 20 years ago that still stick out there that nobody noticed because we weren't getting those heavy shipments. And now we got these heavy shipments. And then it's like, uh oh, we have to fix this real quick. So it's more fear of the unknown. That's all. Now, talking about mix and pricing, uh, the other thing that I always am interested in is uh, when I listen to an LTL earnings call, a company will say that they're being, that they're seeing spillover from truckload into LTL. And it's always kind of portrayed as something that's bad. And uh, I always kind of wondered why that was. I mean, if there's freight that was supposed to go on a, a truckload carrier that really couldn't find the the, the, the truck for it and turn to an LTL carrier, LTL carrier takes it and prices it based on their normal pricing. Why is this a bad thing? And, you know, I'm, I'm assuming this is the kind of thing you might want to talk to your students about. Sure. Absolutely. Right. That's a real life example. Um, and you clearly follow, um, you know, the industry very closely to, to get that level of question. And that's a very deep question. It is usually portrayed in a way as if it's a negative thing. Um, it, it's not necessarily negative you know, to your point, I completely agree with you. When I, when I used to price on the carrier side, um, you know, as long it, it was, as long as you price your accounts, um, correctly and you have, and LTL pricing teams have an eye to more than just the LTL shipments to realize that some of this other heavyweight shipment that maybe you don't get in a normal time of, uh, you know, where there's plenty of capacity in the truckload market, um, as long as you're ready for some of that uh, to change and, and come onto your trucks and you've got it priced right, it's not a problem. Um, you know, traditionally LTL carriers like the smaller sh dense shipments. Um, they want to be efficient and they've got metrics for measuring efficiency like uh, bills per hour and, and pickups per hour and, and those kind of things. How often, how many shipments are you moving on a truck? How much revenue is on the trailer? So typically for a truckload shipment, the revenue will come down. But the activities and the costs also should come down. As long as you've got it priced appropriately, um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. The scary thing is you don't know how much pricing, uh, because pricing agreements are set and established, they could be in effect for years and even decades. 
And if you've got um, some holes on the high, higher weight shipments, you can easily bring on some unprofitable freight. Personally, I actually always looked forward to that. I thought those shipments are more efficient to move. Um, and also it creates, uh, it eats capacity. So the more capacity, the less capacity there is, then the more uh, pressure there is on price overall to raise prices for all shipments. And we're clearly seeing that right now in the industry. But when you hear things like that on an earnings call from a carrier, you know they look very closely at revenue per 100 pounds. And the heavier the shipment, the lower the revenue per 100 pounds. Um, and I think that's why it, it kind of just falls into that negative connotation. But really, as long as you've got it priced appropriately, even if you're getting paid less per 100 weight, um, as your cost should also come down by by that much as well. So it's not necessarily a, a bad thing. We just need to you know dive deeper into the numbers. Well, somebody who wants to dive deep should probably be taking your course. So uh, I hope lots of people sign up. So we want to thank Brian Thompson. He's the chief commercial officer of SMC3. Why don't you define quickly what SMC3 is? Sure. Uh, SMC3 is a data and technology company focused on helping uh, in the in the freight industry. We try to connect all all players, shippers, 3PLs, carriers, um, through their technology providers to uh, efficiently uh, move their goods, whether it be LTL or truckload. All right, but LTL, I think, is pretty much what you're known for. For the, wouldn't, wouldn't that be a fair statement? Very fair. Okay. So anyway, Brian Thompson, thanks a lot for joining us here today on Drilling Deep. Drilling Deep is part of the Freight Cash family of podcasts. You can hear us on all the major podcast platforms. I've been your host, John Kingston, and please join us again. Mm-hmm.